is um, Lamed Vav, 36. Okay, um, and we uh, pick up at the middle, or no, not the middle, the bottom of Lamed Hamid Bet, and we're dealing with a whole debate about, um, about some details about the stones. Now, I do want to say, by the way, correction of what I said yesterday, I went back, back and actually uh, read the Psukim a little bit more carefully, um, and um, it's important also in terms of understanding what the Gemara is about to do. The Gemara said there were three stones, sets of stones, those that Moshe erected on his side of the Yardain, which is not in the Psukim, but the Gemara learns the Gezer Shavu of Be'er Be'er, the stones in the Yardane, and then it speaks about the stones that they took out of the Yardane and, um, and, you know, and, and erected in Gilgal, and we'll talk about those, and wrote the Torah on them, etc. Now, um, the, um, the, um, uh, the ones that they erected in the Yardane were not the same ones that they took out of the Yardane and then erected in Gilgal. The Psukim actually say explicitly that you know, so they were erected in the Yardane, nobody sees them, so they were, I guess the act of erecting them was symbolic, the knowledge that they're there is symbolic but nobody actually gets to see them those remained in the Yardane and a different 12 they took out now um, there's two things that happen there's the erecting of the stones in Gilgal and then there is the um, there is the writing of the Torah now actually on the stones now if you actually look at the Pesukim in um, in the Torah here in in uh, um, what do you call it? Dvarim uh, Chazayin. It says the following. Um, yeah. It says, so it has all the brachas and the klolos, and it says like this. Um, okay. Um, so there's got the stones and the plaster no mention that they came from the yardin but okay that, they could be those stones anyway so you erect these um, big stones and write the words of these Torah okay so it sounds like you write them on these stones that you erected so these stones, where they get put? They put it hard grizim and harifal. So so far, it sounds like the stones are erected hard grizim harifal. It said before that you write on them. Then it says you erect these stones and you build a mizbeach. And then it says the It says and then it says, So, it's confusing. It sounds like you erect the stones, and you write on the stones, and then you build them, and then, like, so twice you basically erect these stones, and so you erect these stones and you write on them, and then it says, you build them, and then it says, and you write on the Avanim, so are we going back to the Avanim, of the, that are erected, or are we the Avne HaMizbeach? Did they, so, so, if you, so it's very, it's confusing. The other thing is, is that what happened when they crossed the yard, okay, so let's stop there, it's confusing. So take a look for a second at Tosfos. Um, Kate said, Kasu Yisrael at the Torah, the Tosfos from Lamed Hamad's bat. Um, Betosefta. Okay, so he basically reads that the Avanim somehow were, were, were they the state, did they then use those stones to build the Mizbeach? Or no, you know, no, they, they did erect stones, but the writing was on the Mizbeach, but the Psukim are ambiguous. Okay? Agabi Mizbeach Kasvuha. Avabi Al Avne Hamalonichtivu. No, just separate stones where they erected in Gilgal. Viva Rebbe Yehuda. The Yosef Meral Avne Mizbeach Nichtivu. The Yosef says on Mizbeach. Manda Malavne Malon, Bechoyom Vyomumus Olam, Hayumashalchi, Nutrin, Messina, Satara, Shaisa, Ksuva, Bechidim Washon. So fine. And then they were there. The written Torah was a monument on these stones, and that could you, the non Jews could send their scribes and they could transcribe it. Mandamar Avnim is Beach, Lola Shahayu, wasn't that just temporary? The Nignazu? So, no, Odma, so what do you do? I mean, presumably if it's just a Mizbeach, you don't have something written on Mizbeach that's going to serve both as a monument. I don't know why. Once you also are writing on Mizbeach, might as well use it as both. But anyway, the Gemara says, No, Somehow, no, they, maybe they transcribed it as well. Not exactly clear. But anyway, Where's the plaster? No, it means the plaster that's holding 
putting the stones together. Okay, so there's this ambiguity that the Torah speaks about erecting stones and building a Mizbeach. And the first issue here is, is that uh, there's a question, maybe actually it was written on the Mizbeach, which is strange, but you, you see where he's getting it from the Psukim. Now the other thing that you need to deal with is, what did they actually do in Yehoshua? Because in, when, where did they write the Torah? Because if you take a look at a map, okay, I went uh, to try to look at the map again and exactly see where's Gilgal, which is where they rested after they crossed the Yardane, right? That's the Malone. And then there's Har Akrizim and Har Eval. So first of all, I typed in to uh, Google um, um, because, you know, because Gilgal, nobody knows exactly where Gilgal is, but it seems on the Pesukim, it's right near Yericho. So I typed in, like, you know, to Google Maps, you know, Jericho, Israel, and it gave me some Jericho Junction in Jerusalem. So I tried it in Hebrew, you know, Yericho, Israel, and also gave me some Jericho Junction. So I went back to, I went to Wikipedia to look for it, and they had a map, and it said, location of Gilgal or Jericho, you know, comma, Palestine. Mm-hmm. So, like, I got really upset like I was saying like what uh, they become like anti-Semites Google here whatever but then I realized like uh, actually no we actually gave Jer- we gave back Jericho <laughs> so actually it's a Palestinian authority not Palestine anyways I went back to Google and then I typed in Yericho Palestine and then it showed me where it was exactly on the map. anyway so I looked at a map sort of the location of Yericho relative to Har Grizim and Har Eval and if you take a look right Yericho is pretty much like right you know right at like the edge of the uh, Dead Sea or whatever it's right after you cross over the Jordan and Hargreaves and Harval is way far away you know yeah. I mean the Gemara said like 60 to how many parsos the Gemara said it's a couple days journey okay now and, and the Psukim say that they crossed over and they slept at night and they erected the stones that night right so you would think that these are going to be different things if you have the stones and you erect them and you write the Torah on them and they you know but the Torah sort of has it all sort of coming together of Hargreaves and Harival. The Torah doesn't have two stages. Okay? So if you take a look at what it says in Yehoshua, it says like this. Um, okay, in the, right at the edge of Yericho is Gilgal. Okay, he erected them. Okay, but, uh, no writing of the Torah. He just erected them. Okay. He just erected the stones. No writing of the Torah. No building of the Mizbeach by Hargreaves and Harival. Then they go and they do the whole war with Yericho. Yericho Sugeret and Sugeret. They have a whole big war. Right, the whole thing da 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 with Achan, etc. And then, okay, after all of that, um, then they do war against Ha'ai. I mean, they have all these wars. And then finally, in uh, Perakhet, toward the end of Perakhet, it says the following. It says, So after a couple of those initial wars, then they finally got around to the brachos and the kwalos of Hargrizim and Harval. Until now, the Gemara's been saying the narrative. It sounded like first thing they did the day they crossed over the Ardain was the brachos and the kwalos, right? But you read the narrative. No, actually, that's quite this into the land. They had to fight a few wars first. Okay, a few battles. Okay, then he builds the Mizbeach. Now, which stones do you think it's talking about? Well, they took from before. I don't think so. This is three broken later after a lot of wars. And it says, They built the Mizbeach. It's three broken. We're not still talking about the Avanim that they were making in Gilgal, which they left in Gilgal. They wrote it. Pshat is on the Mizbeach. Right? On those Avanim. Okay? Mishneh Torah, Sher Kasav, Lishnei Ben Yisrael. May it's Ha'avanim. Okay? V'chol Yisrael, V'zekenav, V'shotav, Shotav, Omdim, they stood and they did and then they did the whole brachot and kalot. Okay, yeah, it says Okay, so it sounds like actually it's bizarre, but it's actually there was an already an ambiguity in the psukim, and it sounds like this real separation of these two events, right? There's the Hakamas Sabanin, which was not the writing of the Torah. Then there was weeks later, I don't know, months later, it sounds like 
Hargrizim Harval, much more interior in the land, right, with a Mizbeach, and presumably the Torah written on the Mizbeach. The Torah is sort of, the Torah, the Gemara is sort of trying to pull it all together, right, and, and so on the one hand, the stones that Yoshua erects becomes the stones that the Torah is written on, the stones that he took out of the Yardane in the Gilgal, and there's also this somehow sense that the Brachot and the Kwalot were sort of like right then, right, so somehow, I don't know what they, how they bracket all of them, maybe they just sort of bracket those battles, those battles occurred later, not at that time, you know, they sort of Eimuk Tamumuch or something anyway, but like they erect these stones in Gilgal, they do the Brachot and the Kwalot, and then they maybe use those stones at Har Grizim and Har Ival, you know, to write the Torah on it, right, it's somehow some way of like conflating these two things. I probably now confused you all very thoroughly, but uh, but you know it's cl- in, the, it, it, in the in the narrative it's clear. There's the stones which are erected, which are not the writing of the Torah. There's many weeks later the building of the Mizbeach, the brachas and the kolos. that sounds like the Torah is written on the stones of the Mizbeach. The Gemara somehow tries to bring it all together and make it maybe all at the same day essentially, and we'll see more about that. And have the writing of the Torah more on the stones that they took out of the Yarden than on the Mizbeach. Yes. Okay, yeah? You wanna, well, when I was giving this, you know, the when you were away, what I mentioned was the Malbim, and uh, he basically says, especially if you look at the Tukim, are you doing the plastering before or after the whole thing? Right. So he says there actually was two times. But, uh, this, and, you know, sort of like, in that, <clears throat> on the one hand, first you, you wrote it um, when it was, the plaster was just beginning to dry, because, uh, you know, the, the, you can still write in it, and then, you know, so that's what they did in the yard, and then they took, all, they took these stones, and then uh, they started building these baths, the olot, and they plastered again. As all that was going on, the plaster dried a little bit, they wrote it yet again. All right. The, the reason why they did that was because, you know, otherwise they'd say... I, I'm going to have to cut you off here. This is a Torah of the Malbim. It's a little bit too complicated. We, <laughs> we need to do with a complexity that's actually here. We don't need to eat more complexity. So we'll have to do that some other time. Okay, so anyway, uh, fine. Okay, so back to the Gemara. So anyway, so the Gemara now is... Um, I maybe should have held off that because we... Well, anyway, we'll just get through wrapping up the point and then we'll come right back to the point that I said which was, the Gemara is dealing with this debate about Rebbe Yehud and Rebbe Shimon, about how much uh, was it that had the other nations um, done tshuva, they would have been accepted. And what does it mean, accepted? Does it mean accepted as gerim? Does it mean, anyway, what does the other nations mean? It sounds from context, it means the Canaanite nations that were living outside of Israel, had they, you know, did they have an option of not being wiped out? If the nation were to ever go to war against them, would the mitzvah of destroying the seven nations apply even outside of Israel? Okay, so we'll pick up where at the very bottom of Lamed Hamad Bet and the following. Um, so the Gemara says like this. Um, my time, let's pick up with Amar Rava, uh, six lines on the bottom. Amar Rava Barshila, my time is Rebbe Shimon, the Chsiv, Rebbe Shimon that says that had they learned, they would have been accepted. The Chsiv, Ayuami Mr. Fotzid Ali Skesi. So that they will, there'll be the, 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 con- the conflagration of plaster. Because of the plaster, they should have learned from the, what was written on the plaster and then they wouldn't be destroyed. Rebbe Yehuda, Kisid, no, just like plaster. Masid ain't not the same way. Plaster has not, will ultimately be, I guess, destroyed. You shall take your captive by the Ifas Tawar. Rabos, Knanim, it's probably Goyim, is probably the gear so that you have, right? Probably, anyway. No, Knanim, oh, actually, Knanim makes sense here. I take it back. Actually, Dafki here, it should be Knanim, right? Because we're dealing exactly with the Shivas Umumim issue. Rabos, Knanim, Shebuchutzel, Aret. That even the Canaanites outside, that if they were to see Shiva, they could be accepted. So come on to Rabbi Shimon. That's like Rabbi Shimon, because Rabbi Shimon says that were they to do Tshuva, right, we would not have to uh, destroy them. Were we to go in war and find the Shivas Amimim outside? Whereas Rabbi Yehuda is understood to say, no, the Shivas Amimim, even regardless, have to be destroyed everywhere, even outside of Israel, even if they do Tshuva. Now, Tosos has two very brief points, and then we're going to get back to the whole Yoshua narrative. Tosos, the Rabbis Kananim Shebuchutz Laaretz, if you take a look, Tosos says, Tema, Heich Kiblu Okay, and then Tosos to answer this says, um, what answer is, if you go look like four, five, four lines before the lines get to be the medium size with a 
there's an asterisk. It says, V'i'avi matzinu l'meimar, and some of the girls are, Mi'u matzinu l'meimar, V'imayu chosim az b'shuva b'shash shekasos ha-Torah, Afilu k'nanim shebetocha hayim ha-Kablin. V'afilu Reb Yehuda. He says, when did they do tshuva? Did they do tshuva? Again, whether tshuva means they decided that they would be, you know, try to convert, or tshuva just means they were to abandon their idolatry or whatever. Tosa says, did you do it before the war started or after the war started? So he says, if you would have done it before the war started, and then it would have been sincere, and it would not just have been a way to, you know, because of course yeah, you had yeah. the givonim or whatever that tricked and, and weren't sincere. So everybody would have said, if you would have done it before the war started, even the Canaanites in Israel, we, would have, we wouldn't have had to, you know, wipe out. The whole point was, after the war started, that's where there's the, the debate. And, you know, the debate then focuses on the Canaanites outside of Israel. So that's the way Tosfos deals with the Rachel story, you know. You could also ask about the whole, you know. Anyway, so, so that's like one interesting issue, like when is it possible to, for them to have done tshuva, whatever tshuva means, to be accepted. Again, accepted just might mean not wiped out, or doesn't mean actually convert. And, um, you know, and how to deal with the Rachel story. The other interesting thing, top of Lamed Vav Aleph, about this thing about the, uh, about the uh, uh, Yifas Toar, that, uh, you know, well, if it's even the Canaanites, so it seems that we don't have to wipe out the Canaanites outside of Israel. And that's like Rabbi Shimon. Tosu says, V'im Tomar, Dilma B'Yifas Toar Fil Rabbi Huda Moda, he says, how do you know that this is part of the debate of Rabbi and Rabbi Shimon? Right? Other prohibitions are waived for Yifas Toar. I mean, she's not Jewish. Um, Tuzlis later says, a co- even a Kohen, the Gemara says, is Mutter B'Yifas Toar, even though clearly it violates the laws of Kahuna. Okay, so maybe it also uh, overrides the issues relating to, uh, you know, to uh, the Shivas Umot. So he wants to, so he asks, like, how, right? It's a good question. If we're talking about Yifas Torah, maybe the rules are different. Now, part of the answers could be the rules of sex might be different in terms of prohibited sex, but if there's a mitzvah to destroy them, then, you know, okay, sex is mutter, but it doesn't mean you don't have to destroy them. <laughs> anyway, so Tosu sort of more or less said something like that, that no, if there was a mitzvah to destroy them out, even outside of Chutzlaretz, then that would not have been waived even for Yifas Torah. Okay, so some interesting debates about, added, about whether, to what degrees are mitzvah to why the Shiva Umos outside of Israel, you know, even if they've done tshuva, would they be accepted? Um, how do they? How do you deal with the Rachel story and whether the whole Yifas Toar could apply to the Shivas Umos and Chutzlaret, um, or whether you know whether the fact that Yifas Toar would be a basis for an exception? So Yifas okay. Toar applying to No, it's outside. No, oh, yeah, when you are outside the land. Okay. Not only that they were quoting the Tosafot, not only that they wanted to, but Yeshua was proactive in going to them and offering them a peace treaty. Right. Right. That's true. Yes. Correct. Okay. So now let's now let's continue. Okay. So I should probably wrap that up first. But keeping in mind, going back now to the basic narrative about the Avanim that they erected in Gilgal and then the Hagrizim and the point that, you know, the issue about whether the, what happened in Hagrizim Harival is it connected to what the stones in Gilgal or not. So remember what I read from the Pesukim, they weren't connected. Let's go back now to the Gemara's narrative. Okay, Bore, come and see. Come and see Nasu Ba'oso Hayom. How many miracles were done on that day that they crossed the Jordan? Every Yisrael is a Yardain, they crossed the Jordan. So right there, the Gemara is, right, going back to the point I opened with, right, in the Pesukim, it's like, you know, like I said, they first had to fight Yericho, and they've had to fight Ha'ai, and it's clearly that it did not, all those battles did not happen one day. The Torah clearly talks about, you know, many days. Like even Yericho, how many days it took until the walls came down and so on. Okay, so what the Gemara is basically doing is it's bracketing like those two prakim and jumping to the narrative in Perkhet and Yoshua and saying it happened on the same day. Okay, it's combining these two. And it acknowledges that that's a pretty serious trip to get all the way to Hagrizim and Harival. More than 60 mil. And nobody was able to stand up against, you know, the uh, might of Bnei Israel. Again, bracketing Yericho and Ha'ai. What? How much is a meal? A meal is a good question. Um, a meal is about a kilometer. Okay, so 60 kilometers is about 36 miles. That's the whole uh, nation. I guess. Maryland coming out of Egypt and they go that distance from around Oh, maybe. But that's still seven days. 
Oh no, from Ramses to Sukkot, you mean? Oh, I don't know, maybe. I'd have to look about how Chazal explained, yeah, how, how they explained what that distance was. Right, I'm not sure they, I don't remember if they emphasized the distance from Ramses to Sukkot, but that's interesting. Maybe there's some of that. That's an interesting point. Okay. There's one point where they jump this big distance yeah. in a very short period. Right, right. I understand. Yeah, 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 you know, it's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And nobody could stand, in, you know, up against them. And anybody who tried to stand up against them, immediately they sort of like uh, lost control of their bowels. I will send my fear in front of you. And I will sort of uh, um, disturb. Um, what does Rashi say? Rashi says, Muhumaz, like to, you know, stir up or something. Uh, yeah, anyway, Rashi says, where's Rashi? It causes the, the innards to uh, lose control, okay? Um, the Amar, um, fear and trembling. Now we're going to sort of darsh in the Rishona. The first time they entered, in the time of Yoshua. The end of the Pasuk, which is obviously just poetic parallel, this nation that you acquired, that's the second entering in the land. In the time of Ezra. Miracles should have been done when they entered in the, the, the same type of miracles when they entered in the time of Ezra, like when they entered in the time of Yahushua. But the sin caused it that it was not with miracles. Rashi makes an important point. It was not just the absence of miracles. It was the question of whether you're going in as a sovereign nation, you know, or whether you're going in under the authority of Melech Pavel and, you know, only with their permission and you're settling the land rather than conquering the land. Okay, so there was a significant difference there. It wasn't just the presence of miracles. Um, okay, Ravashi says, the, the question was whether they, they subject to a foreign kingdom. Okay. Um, so now, on the same day, they flew all the way to Grisim and Harazal. Okay? And then they brought the same stones. Again, not clear in, the, in, in, in Dvarim that they were, uh, you know, well, Dvarim does have stones that were erected. But anyway, but certainly not clear in Yoshua at all that these were, the, you know, that because in Yoshua it was like many, many months apart. But anyway, according to this, the same stones that they erected in Gilgal, and they built the Mizbeach. Now it's sounding like, and here's another way of dealing with the ambiguity in the Psukim, what was the Torah written on, that it actually has that the sto- it seems like the stones were used it's not clear but the implication is that those stones that had been erected in Gilgal were now used to build the Mizbeach okay yeah we'll get to that and they so there you satisfy all the psukim yeah you know you have to appreciate what this is doing right it satisfies the ambiguity in Dvarim of was it written on the stones or was it written on the it also satisfies the point that in the Torah it has the the Torah speaks again maybe the, I didn't make this clear the Torah speaks about those things both those things happening at Hargrizim and Harival the erecting of the stones and the building of the Mizbeach in Yoshua the erecting of the stones happened at Gilgal and the building of the Mizbeach happened at Hargrizim and Harival so what the Gemara has done is it solved the problem it brought it all together it used the same stones so we have both the erecting of the stones and the Mizbeach happening sort of in the same at the same time and sort of you know in the same place or the stones get erected twice and they become part of the Mizbeach so we solve the ambiguity of where it was written on where Okay, and this is the end of the discussion before where it says they erected the stones. It's clear, so it's pulling all the things together to resolve the problems and the ambiguities. Um, okay, that's a funny phrase. Right? They ate, they drank, they rejoiced, they blessed, and they cursed. It's sounding like Barhu is like it sounds like you know they they blessed God. <laughs> but anyway, they did the Bachot and the Kwalot. Okay, the Kiplu et Avanim and 
and then they they yeah they fold it up. Now does that mean lekapel? Because does that mean they remove the plaster? Yeah. It a little bit evokes that, but it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like they they because now you've got a problem because where were the where the where the stones remain erected? According to Yoshua, they were erected in Gilgal, but here they've been taken from the Yardane, brought all the way to Hargizim and Harivah. When are they going to get erected in Gilgal? So that's going to be after that. Okay, they backtrack. Maybe you put it in any place that you happen to sleep. Where you're going to sleep there tonight? They that they took from the Yarden, they erected in the Gilgal. So basically, you read the Psukim. It says the stones that they took, they erected in Gilgal. And what the Gemara does is it says, wait, wait, wait. Before that pasuk happened, after they left the Yarden, the stones they took, we have to jump forward from Perak Dawa to Perak Chet. We have to read the whole story of Hargrizim and Harival. Okay, that happened on the same day. Okay, and they used those stones at Hargrizim and Harival to build the Mizbeach, to write the Torah, etc. Then, now let's get back to Perak Dawa. Oh, by the way, those stones, now they brought back to Gilgal and they erected so in Gilgal. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. They didn't stop at Gilgal. They didn't, they, 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 the first thing they did with the stones when they took them out of the Yardane is they brought them to Hargrizim and Harival, did the Mizbeach, did the writing of the Torah, brought them back to, so to Gilgal. Right, exactly. Okay, anyway, the point is that you to appreciate that it is taking a, an ambiguity in Dvarim about what the Torah was written on, the stones uh, that were erected or the stones of the Mizbeach and saying the answer is yes, they were the same stones and B, what it's doing is it's taking what the Torah has as one event the erecting of the stones and the Mizbeach and Yoshua has this two events separated a great deal erecting the stones right after the Yardin the Mizbeach and Grizim and Harival much, much later and bringing them together again so the Gemara is sort of solving the problems in the Psukim which you weren't aware of which I wasn't aware of until I read the Psukim again last night okay, so the Gemara says like this um, okay Tana Tira lo avra imahem now the Tira the wasps the Bible says that's a Tira what's the Pasuk? anyway v'shalach tia tatira l'isnechem is that the Pasuk? anyway I will send these wasps before you and they'll like help drive out the nation so the Brighter says it didn't go with them I don't know where the Brighter is getting that maybe because it's not in the story in Yahushua so something happened it didn't go the Gemara says v'lo v'haksi v'shalach tia tatira l'fanecha I will send it before you so you could have said like garam hachet or something but let's see what the Gemara says Amar Rebbe Shimon Lakish Asvas Yardin Amda no 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 it was Sira it was sent before them but didn't actually cross into the border maybe the problem that the Bright is dealing with is who needs a lot of Sira in Eretz Yisrael who needs all those wasps so they stood right at the edge they hovered maybe over the Yardin okay Amda Vizarka Behen Mara and it's sort of it, it, what is that snake is it, there's like a, the spitting cobra you know about the spitting cobra like so these were the, these were the spitting Sira they spit out their, their venom you know without actually crossing the border okay it was the first chemical warfare I guess okay anyway um, it blinded the eyes of the enemy I mean the enemy would have to very conveniently line up by the Yardane in order to get hit so anyway okay so I don't know the venom flew it, it was a guided missile it blinded their eyes above the seer satan milamata and it castrated them below I just wiped out the Emorite before you before them that its height is like that of the cedar trees and it's as mighty as the what's an alone an oak I wiped I, I destroyed the fruit from above and the roots below so the roots also is what gives maybe life, future life also so anyway so they were wiped out the eyes and they were castrated okay yeah no 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 there were two Moshe did not cross over. But there was a Tira that came in Yoshua, and that fulfilled the Pasuk of Vashat Tira. I really don't know. I, I, I didn't have a chance to check the Marsha or anyone else. But, like, there's no Pasuk that it's trying to solve. If it has it going over with Yoshua, it's not that it's offended by the idea that there's Tira in Eretz Israel. So, why not? Why, why say there too? What's the problem of saying that the Tira of Moshe went with him? Unless maybe. Again, the problem is that maybe the assumption would be if it was that powerful, if we associate with Moshe, we're going to associate with tremendously powerful. It doesn't explain the challenges they had in their battles. The battles were not so easy, you know. So maybe it's 
somehow trying to deal with that. No, according to this, he presumed the second version presumably holds that Moshe's Sira didn't do anything. It was a different Sira that Yoshu. It didn't have. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it did spit the venom, but it was. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I don't know the answer. Okay, yeah. It didn't cross over. It didn't cross over. Right. Okay, I don't know. I did not get a chance to look at the Marsha. It was in Oh, all right, that was a good one. Right, oh, good. All right, it was. Uh, will bati Ella for that. It was a dying. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, let me just take a quick glance. I don't want to ask the marshal just very quickly to see if he says anything. Um, Okay, so, so so the Marsha says um, that the part of the problem is that the Pasuk that says that Tzirah only mentions um, the Knani Vahachiti and it does not mention the other Umot. So it's, he thinks that the Gemara is trying to solve the problem um, that um, that uh, you know that it, it, that what happened to the other Umot that it was not as powerful it, somehow, somehow you know it was not as totally powerful because it uh, to wipe out all the Umot. Um, anyway, so I'll, I'll take a look at it later and tell you if I see anything anything else. But there's certainly some problem that it's trying to solve. Okay, so now the Gemara goes on. Now we finally get all of that was describing the whole narrative. Now we finally get to the actual events of the brachot and the klalot. Six of the tribes on Harkizim and six on Harival. So my v'hachetziav, now the Pasuk in Yoshua that I was reading to you before said the following. Here's the one Pasuk that speaks about the actual acts of the brachot and the klalot. So it says the Hachetziav, half here and the half on the other. Now, by the way, in terms of Hargrizim and Harival, until today, Hargrizim, which is where the brachos were, is lush and, you know, very green and, you know, uh, vegetation growing, and Harival is completely desolate. So obviously, symbolically, I'm not saying that was the effect of the brachos, it's called symbolically that that's the one is for that brachot and the others for the kolos is very powerful. The question I do wonder about is the part in Yoshua it says El Mul Hargrizim and El Mul Harival and I, the psukim in Dvarim say you know that they shall stand Al Hargrizim. So the difference is are you standing between them and like you know alongside them or are you actually going up onto the mountains? Um, but anyway okay so the Gemara is focusing on Vehachetziav. What's the Vehachetziav? Amar it's to refer to the fact that these, these are two halves that are recognized elsewhere. The same way they're divided on the mountains, they're divided on the stones of the Avneifod. Okay, Mesri says, I'll ask you about that. These two stones, right, on the, uh, holding up the, you know, the uh, Choshen, the Avneifod. Um, um, the, the twelve and now it says a drasha. It says The second one was the order of birth, not the first one. Why? Because the whole things were essentially the birth order, but in the first six you have Ruvain Shimon Levi Yehuda, right? So Ruvain Shimon Levi Yehuda. The problem is that Yehuda. Is, has to come first because he's the leader. So So that was the only one that was out of order. Okay? And there were 25 um, uh, letters on each stone. Okay? So if you count up the letters in the name, it's actually a perfect division, except, as the Gemara is going to point out, it's not a perfect, it's 24 and 25, but pretty close. The Gemara will solve the, that problem in a minute. Okay? <laughs> okay, so, um, so, um, so, yeah, right, well, that's one answer. Okay. Um, 
So anyway, that's the division. Okay. So um, the first, so the first are Yehuda, Ruvain, Shimon. I mean, Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, but Yehuda goes first, and then I know, I know, and I know, and then Don and Naphtali, right? Because Don and Naphtali were then born afterwards. Okay, and the others are then it continues in the birth order. Okay, so that's the first division. Rabbi Chanina ben Gamliel, or Rabbi Chanina ben Chanina ben Gamliel disagrees, and he says, Lo kiderech shechalukim b'chumash hapikutim, not like the way they're divided in Bamidbar, which is uh, basically more or less the birth order, which is the first opinion. Okay, Ella kidera chalukim b'avneifa. That's not the division. Okay, Ella kidera shechalukim b'chumash sheni. Interesting phrase, chumash sheni. Anyway, but anyway, in Shemot, I know, but it's interesting what phrase, chumash hapikudim, chumash sheni, chumash hagiula. I don't know what you want to call it. You know, anyway. Okay, but anyway, but what is that? It's the opening of Shemot. Now, Yisachar Zulun is not the birth order. Dan and Naphtali come next in the birth order. What Yisachar Zulun is, that, that counting is Ruvain, Shimon, Leviv, Yudai, Yisachar Zulun is all, is Leah's children, and, is all of Leah's children, right? Ruvain, Shimon, Leviv, Yudai, and then Yisachar Zulun. And then the next, and then the remainder is Rachel and the, uh, and, and, and Bill and Zilpah's children. Okay, Kate said, so how does that work out? B'nai Leah Kisidran, so B'nai Leah are listed in their birth order, but they're all listed together. That's the way they are in the beginning of Shemos. And B'nai Rochel, Echad Mikan, Bechad Mikan, it starts with, because the way Shemos starts is, Ruvain Shimon, Levi Vidai, Yisachar Zulun, Uvinyamin. So Vinyamin is the first, uh, 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 out of, completely out of order, right? Vinyamin, Dan Venafali, Gad Asher, and then Yosef. So you have one of B'nai Rochel's first, Vinyamin, the Shvachot in the middle, and then ending with Yosef. Okay? B'nai Rochel, Echad Mikan, Bechad Mikan, Uvnei Shvachot, Be'em. We mean by meaning just the, the top, top and the bottom. Of the, no, no, of the second stone. Zelamani Mikhaim Kitoldosam, but the Pasuk says that they're put on the stones Kitoldosam. Okay? Well, the first one is, right. So you could say the first one is Kitoldosam within the grouping of one woman's children. But anyway, but it sounds like they're all Kitoldosam, and it says Hashani Kitoldosam. Eleven Hashani Dafka, and the second one is not at all Kitoldosam. So the Gemara says, Kishmos and Shekarla Navin. It doesn't mean the birth order, it means the names that they were given by their father. The low Kishmos Shekarla and Moshe, not a later name associated, like Moshe. What does that mean? So Ruvain, the low Ruvaini. Shimon, the low Shimoni. Dan below Hagani, God below Hagadi. Now that seems a little trivial because Moshe isn't really changing their names; he's just identifying the tribe. But I think that's exactly his point. How do we understand the names that were on the Avne Ephod? Did they represent the tw- the tribes, or did they represent the twelve sons? Right? Is it Shemot B'nai Yisrael? Like who's Yisrael in that pasuk? Is Yisrael the Israel people? Right? And it's essentially the names of the twelve tribes. Or is Israel, no, Yaakov's children. So what he is saying is, and that's completely consistent. Don't give me a birth order in Bamidbar. Don't give me an order that the tribes are listed in Bamidbar. That's an order of the tribes. I don't care about the order of the tribes. I care about the order of the children. So when are the children listed? In the beginning of Shemot. So it actually works very beautifully. He says, we're going to go to Shemot and have them as children, as sons, you know, as, as people, not as tribes, and that's Kitoldosam means I don't want their tribe names, I want their personal names. Ah, okay? so it doesn't mean an order. No, it means like by that. the names that they were given in their birth. It refers to their birth, it refers to them as real people, right? So I don't know, I think there's something very powerful. On the one hand, you could say it's not as representative if it doesn't refer to a tribe, but on the other hand, there's something very personal about carrying the names of those 12 people in, you know, if, you know then, and you know, as opposed to the abstraction of the names of the twelve tribes. I think there's a really very sort of deep debate here between these two approaches. Anyway, the point is, either of those approaches is not the order, is not the division of Hargrizim and Harivo. He says, so the Gemara says, Tiyufta, the Rav Kana Tiyufta. You're right, because those two approaches, neither of them are the order of Hargrizim and Harivao. What's the order of Hargrizim and Harivao? So, of course, I'm sure you all know it by heart, but if you take a look at Rashi, he'll say, I'm kidding. Tiyufta, the Rav Kahana, third line down in the narrow lines, Rashi says, Okay, so that's basically who is that? It's not Reuven, it's Shimon Levi Yehuda, Yisachar, now not 
not Zvulun, and so we have like four of Leah's children, but not two of them, and then, and then Yosef and Yanin. Zahari Val, well, I'll talk about him in a minute. Ruven God Vashir Zvulun Dominaftali. So anyway, so, okay, so Michael reasonably says, okay, so that seems an arbitrary order, I'll get back to that in a minute. But either way, it is not the division on the stones, okay, which is a more logical division. It does not reflect the division of the stones. So the Gemara says, the Elamai Vahachetziah, so back to the question, what does the half mean if it doesn't represent the division on the stones. So, Tana Chetziav Shemul HaGrizim Merubam Yechetziv Shal Har Eval. HaChetziav Al Har Eval now somehow means that it was, I don't know, well, I'll tell you in a minute what Yushami says, but somehow it means that the half on Har Eval was not the same size, but of course it somehow was a smaller half. I mean, it was half of the tribes but smaller in number. Okay? So, maybe the HaChetziav is read and the other half. Okay? The other half, because the real half, the big half, right, is, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, I, I, you know, I want the bigger half. There's no such thing as a bigger half. Well, here there's a bigger half. Okay? Because it's half the tribes, but bigger in number. So the one half was where? And the other half, the smaller half, was on Harival. Okay? Now, Levi was below. Now, it's funny. Levi was on Hargrizim. So Hargrizim is more. Why is it Nesha Levi Lamata? Adorabim. Nesha Levi Lamata Batsilu. That makes Hargrizim less. So Hachikama, Afal Pisha Levi Lamata, although some of Levi was below, not all of Levi, but a lot of the Kohanim and the Levim were below, okay, because although some of Levi was below, nevertheless, the, the Hargrizim was still bigger in number. B'nei Yosef Imahem, because B'nei Yosef was um, on, on um, Hargrizim, that made up for the difference, and they were still a much a, a larger population than Harifal. How do we know Yosef was so large? Shanem Marvi, Dabru B'nei Yosef, Es Yoshua, Lemur, Madun, why did you only give me one portion of the land? I'm a very large people. We can't deal with only one portion. If you're, if you're a, such a populous nation, so go to the forest and conquer more land. So the Gemara, though, it's a funny sort of way, go to the forest. So the Gemara says, Hide yourself. Oh, that, you're, you're so large? Here's some good advice. Keep yourselves hidden in the forest. Why? You don't want the Ayin Hara. You're so large. You know, people say, oh, you know, that'll lead to an Ayin Hara. So you gotta not, don't, don't like, you know, uh, um, don't announce that, you know. Keep it quiet. Go hide yourselves in the, in the forest. Amrulay, they said to him, no, we don't need that advice. Zare di Yosef lo shaltabe The seed of Yosef, the Ayin Hara has no power over. Shenet dixi, because the verse says, ben porat Yosef, a, a, uh, uh, like a, um, uh, flowering, um, 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 flourishing son is Yosef, ben porat ale ayin, a flourishing son over the wellspring. By the wellspring, el ole ayin, they rise above the evil eye. This is the bracha that Yaakov gave to the children of Yosef, they shall flourish like, uh, for, 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 for many in the land. But the word vayidgu is like the fish. What is the way with the fish of the sea? Mechasim alehen, the water covers them them, so the eye doesn't have can't see them doesn't have power over them the evil eye okay now so basically so, but bottom line is that the Hargrizim was more numerous now if you take a look at Tosvos look back at Tosvos Tosa says, Lashon Yerushalmi, Miyush of Yosef. Yerushalmi's version is better. Tudasinan Hasem. Ma tamadom rachetiyav, melamed shemutim bahar gwizim, umirum arvel. The half on Harival sounds like not the smaller half, sounds like the bigger half. Okay? Baharival. Lama, shein shifto shalos, levi kulosham. And now it fits the end of that breitah, because levi wasn't up, the full tribe of levi wasn't on har gwizim, so the Harival side was larger. Okay? Okay. Tosras, my the hachetiav, lamed vav amadalus. Shema yakol shevet levi sham hayu shavim. Because had they been there, they would be equal. Reb Shmuel bar Nachmani b'shem Yonah Namar ilay yakol shevet levi sham lo hayu shavim. Okay, lama. Even if levi was full of levi was up on hargrizim, hargrizim would still be smaller. First wide line of Tosras. Lama, why? Shekfar nafsu mishivta shoshimah nesim barba elavish. Right, Shimon had been decimated by the whole thing with the pinchas. Right, so they had. And so therefore, the numbers on Hargrizim were going to be less regardless. Okay? Um, and then it goes a little bit about this. And now if you take a look at Tosa, it says like this. 
Umiyu, three lines down in the middle of the line, three lines in the wide lines, Tosu says, One minute. We actually have some numbers. Let's go look at the end of the Midbar, where it does the numbers, and that's right before they enter into the land, and let's actually tabulate how many people are on Har Grizim and how many people are on Har Eval. What a thought. So Tosu says, if you actually tabulate it, okay, that was at the very end of the four years. I'm now five lines down towards the end of the line. Timsa, so if you do the math, you do the computation. I shouldn't say math. I once had a math uh, 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 professor in my in my in my Dafyomi class or my Gemara class, and I said that once about some about something. I said, so if you do the math, she said, that's not math. That's accounting. Anyway, so. <laughs> So if you do the computation, if you do the addition, Timsa Benin Shvatim Shamdul Har Grizim Odes Al Ozen Shamdul Bahari Val Tisha Elif Chasuk Kuflamid. So Tosa says, actually, if you do the math, it's pretty darn close. Har Grizim is nine thousand more, so that's consistent with our Gemara that Har Grizim was more. But if you take out Levi, there was eight thousand Levi. Okay, so if you take and the Levi was on the bottom, so actually it was almost exactly the same. Once you remove Levi, it was only a difference of 1,000. And that's more consistent with Argama that says Hargreezim was more. So I can point you, I remember reading now 20 years ago or somebody saying somebody wrote this whole article on this issue about what was the division of the Shvatim, did all the different tabulations, you know, about this. I think the basic point was to say like this is the way the Torah divides it was the only possibility of getting it as close as possible to an equal division or something. Anyway, somebody did wrote a whole article on like exactly what the division was about. Anyway, back to our Gemara. Um, so okay. Yeah, I think to get the numbers close. <laughs> I think that that's what the article says. I think it just works out all the permutations. I don't remember. There was more to it than that. Okay. Um, now the Gemara says like this. Um, we are now back on Lamed Zamamud's bet, uh, five lines down um, in the in the uh, you know middle section. Honey Chamishim Osios. says if we assume that it's listed in their birth order and you count up the letters, it said that it was equal half and half. It's not equal. Chamishim Nechichara Havin. It's forty nine. Not 50. And it's also not equal. It's 25 and 24. So there's one place where Yosef is referred to with an extra hey, Yosef. So therefore, um, that was, he was written with the extra hey, and that made it 25 and 25 and made it 50. You need Kedoldosim, which we've been saying, according to this approach, means birth order, but we're going to assume here that it also means consistent with the names. And there was not a name that he had he, in the, when he was, you know, in his life. Ella, here's the answer. Kotar Kula Binyamin Ksiv, without the Yud. When he was born, Binyamin Shalem Ksiv. It's written with the Yud. To deceive Aviv Karolo Binyamin. So he was actually, Doc, it works out very well. It is Ketold Osam, the way it's spelled when he was born. And that makes it 25 and 25, and that makes it 50. It's actually interesting, you know, when um, there's some people have a Minog, not that's parallel, not about Binyamin, but about with the first time they read the word Yisachar, right, in the Torah, they read it Yisachar. Okay, it's spelled the exact way, but it's sort of, you know, you know, so Yesh, Sachar, whatever, so to actually, so bring out this particular spelling of the name. Amar Afchan of Arbiz, Amar Yom Shirin Chasida. Yosef, now that we're talking about Yosef, Yosef, Shekid Hashem Shemayim Beseter, Yosef, that sanctified God's name in private, Hosivalav Os Achas Mishmo, he got the He, Yosef, one of God's letters. Okay, Mishmo Shal Kadesh Baruch Hu. Yehuda, Shekid Hashem Shemayim Beseter, Yehuda, who publicly sanctified God's name, so Yehuda has all the letters of God's names with an extra dollar. It has a good and A and above an A. Right? So his whole name reflects God's name. Now, just to tell you, because we're not going to get to Yehuda till tomorrow, but of course, I think our naturally we'd be inclined to think that's this week's Parsha. Right? He did it in public. He announced to everybody. It was a whole court case. Everybody was there and he accepted responsibility. Interesting, though, the Gemara is going to talk about not actually the person of Yehuda, but the tribe of Yehuda and the story of Nachshon ben Aminadav jumping into the Yamsuf. Which is very funny because it's all very personal about you know Yehuda and Yosef Kidashim Shemayim and this is it's obvi- the most obvious thing is to associate this with the story in this week's parsha. Anyway, now we're going to focus on Yosef. Um, 
So, um, now, Ma, Yosef Mahi, what's the story of Yosef? I mean, we know the story, but let's spell it out. The verse it says, It was a particular day, he came to the home, to, to the house, to, take care, to do his work. They both were intending to sin. Melachto means he, were, he was finally going to um, take care of, you know, his uh, desire, uh, or, or give in to uh, his business, exactly. Um, um, so, thank you. Um, uh, now, Tosa says, what, what's pushing him to say that? Meaning, why would we say such a thing that's not, you know, complimentary to Yosef? What's the hint in the Pasuk? So he says, it's the, it's the juxtaposition of the Avayavo. And Vayavo has an association with B and sex. That's how Tosa understands it. Okay. Vayavo baita lasos malachto. Rav Shmuel, Charamar, where were we? I'm sorry. Okay. Mamak Shashim Dvar Veniskam. Vayavo baita lasos malachto. So, so actually, there's a debate of Rav and Shmuel. Okay, one says it means just to do his, take care of his job. No, his desires to do, um, they, okay, so that's the debate. Well, um, now, moving on. Nobody, uh, nobody in the household was there. Such a large house, so such a big household, so many people and servants, how could it be that it was completely empty? So, Tan and also, Yom Yom Chagamaya. That was a, it. Was a hol- it was a day of their of, of, of a festival, a holiday. They all went to their uh, to their house of worship, to their pagan house of worship. And she said to them, "Holy, I am sick. You guys, you guys go ahead. I'm not feeling well." Amra, uh, so she said to herself. She thought, oh, "I will never have as good as an opportunity as today. Everybody is leaving the house." So she made an excuse to stay home, but she said more and she grabbed him with his cloak to say sleep with me at that moment the image of his father is the word for icon okay the image of his father appeared to him because now whether he was going intentionally to do that or not but at that moment it was very very hard to resist so the Gemara says he needed some help to resist okay so the image of his father appeared to him the nearest Halon appeared to him in the window and he said to him he actually spoke it wasn't just the image your brothers will be written on the Avnei Efod so we're tying it back to the Avnei Efod you're going to be among them do you want your name to be wiped out again not clear to me I mean other than the connection we had before oh I didn't think about that excellent that is excellent right the right so the being Mocheshem and the, the presence by God in the base of me. oh that's brilliant okay that was even better than your sting operation that was real Torah no that was really good because I, I was no because I was trying to understand other than the context that we've been talking about on the A-phone why have all the things to say how he's you know what he's jeopardizing does it mention jeopardizing his name on the Avni A-phone like there's a million other things you could say jeopardizing jeopardizing being part of Kwai Israel but I think you're right being Moche the shame and here it's about a man's sexual sin that's really great it's Shkaya okay the Tikwa Roez the note and you'll be called a shepherd of prostitutes the one who shepherds prostitutes who you know, flocks after the prostitutes will, will waste great treasure um, throw away you know we know people throw away a lot of their uh, status and honor whatever because they follow their, their, their sexual desire Miyad so that did it for him he put his, in, his strength in his uh, uh, literally his uh, bow so bow is a very obviously phallic image you know and the, the power of the need to release the tension the Rashi says it reads the semen returned to its strength or it might mean returning to its source like I, well, we'll see anyway he had a real hard time resisting the tension and the need to release because it came at you know at that last at that at the critical moment and his uh, you know the zera here of his hands the seed of his hands sort of spread or scattered not Yadav the Karka he put his fingers into the ground to you know to sort of to, to prevent him from doing you know from ejaculating and rather than he ejaculating the semen had to go somewhere so it came out of his fingers so which is a way of describing how impossible it is at a certain point to actually resist right once it gets to a certain stage so you 
was all in the strength and ultimately he had to, it still had to come out but it came out in a different way okay Midei Avir Yaakov from the power of Yaakov Migam Lo Shichaki Kalavnei Eifod who caused him that ultimately his name would be written on the bones on the sons of Eifod El Avir Yaakov the strength of Yaakov Misham Ro'eh this plays back about the Ro'eh Zonot from there he became a shepherd of Evan Yisrael Misham Zach Venasa Ro'eh there he became a shepherd Shenemar Ve'ro'eh Yisrael Hazina shepherd of Israel here Nohei Ketzon Yosef being real shepherded or you know led like the like the flock of Yosef Tanya which I'm just read one more line Hayeroi Yosef Ratzitz Meni Yud Beis you know what we'll end right here okay